Sermon 47 of the Sermons upon the Epistle of St. Paul to the Ephesians by John Calvin, translated by Arthur Golding. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Praying with all prayer and supplication, at all times in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all instance and supplication for all the saints, and for me, that in opening my mouth utterance may be given me with boldness to utter the secret of the gospel. Many, supposing themselves to have profited well in faith, are yet notwithstanding ignorant what belongs to prayer. They think it enough if they can say, God help me, when they see any danger at hand, and yet in the meanwhile flee not to him for refuge. But such folk wote not to what purpose the promises serve that are made unto us. For God saith not singly that he will have a care of us, and that he will help us in all our needs, but also allureth us to him, and therewithal encourageth us to praying. Then cannot the one be separated from the other, that is to wit, that we should rest upon the hope of God's promises, and have them thoroughly rooted in our hearts, and also be stirred up to resort unto our God, so as our faith exercise us in prayer and supplication. Thus see we that they be inseparable things, and look how much we be forwarder in faith, so much with the earnester zeal should we call upon our God, and acknowledge and confess that our salvation lieth in his hand, and that we look for all good things from him. And forasmuch as we be so slothful in that behalf, he setteth down two words, prayer and supplication, to express the better, that we must not go to it coldly nor slightly, and, as it were, for courtesy's sake, but that we must be touched to the quick to continue in it as he will add anon after, and to hold rightly without ceasing at any time. True it is that God telleth us by his prophet Isaiah that he will hear us before we cry, and his hand shall be ready to succor us before we have opened our mouth. Howbeit, that is not to make us slothful that we should lie gaping at him with open throat, as they say, but to show that he will not suffer us to linger when we shall have called upon him, as though he were careless to help us, and that for proof thereof he preventeth us, as we find by experience. Yet notwithstanding, he will have us to yield a true proof of our faith by praying unto him, for the very way for us to show truly that his promises have taken effect in us, and that we trust to them, is that as soon as we be touched with any grief or affliction, we go straight unto him, and unburden our hearts there, as is said in another place. Now we see how we must make our advantage of God's word, whereby we be certified that he will never fail us, that is to wit, by seeking the things in him which he protesteth that we shall find there. And so prayers are, as it were, keys whereby to come to the treasures that God reserveth for us, and which he will not keep from us. Therefore we must open the way to them by praying. And yet St. Paul thinketh it not enough to say that our faith must be matched with prayers and supplications to our God. But saith also, Yea, all prayer, as if he should say, That in all matters, in all things, both great and small, in all our doings, whatsoever they be, that must be our sheet anchor. For it might happen that we would call upon God only when we thought on him, or else when we had some matter of importance in hand. But St. Paul, as I said, will have us to do God that homage everywhere and at all times, protesting that we cannot have any good but at his hand and of his mere free gift. So much importeth the word all. And in good sooth, we see how our Lord taketh charge of our whole life, with condition that we should seek to him even for the basest things, and for such as we durst not require of our friend, that were our equal and companion. Even those things he will have us to ask of him. 
For under this saying, that he giveth us our daily bread, it is certain that he comprehendeth all that belongeth to our life. Alas, what a number of small things we have need of, which we would be ashamed to be ignorant of, even to our inferiors, and God abaseth himself so far that he vouchsafeth to have a care of our persons, which are but wretched and rotten carrions, and yet nevertheless he will not have us to stick to ask him the things that are expedient and needful for us. Since it is so, let us remember well this saying of St. Paul's, which willeth us to pray to our God for all things that we need, assuring ourselves that he will yield so far unto us as nothing shall, as ye would say, scape his hands. And he saith expressly that we must pray at all times and in spirit. Whereas he saith in spirit, it is surely to exclude all hypocrisy, for we know that the most part of the world babble enough when they should come unto God, howbeit it is but their lips or the tips of their tongues that do their duty. But that is not the manner that God will be prayed unto and called upon. He liketh not of supplications, but rather abhorreth them, because that when we pray so fondly unto him, we make a false shrouding sheet of him, and that is a kind of treachery. For if we think to be heard of God for our babbling, when in the meanwhile our heart is dead, and our prayers proceed not of a right disposed and earnest mind, we make God as an idol, or as a little babe, wherein we do too great wrong to his majesty, and to be short, we do but transfigure him after our own fancy. Therefore it behoveth our prayers not only to be made with our mouth, but also to come from the bottom of our heart. Now forasmuch as we have not that of our own power, the Holy Ghost must be fain to work therein, and therefore by the word spirit may be understood that we should beseech god to govern us in such wise as he touch us thoroughly to the end we may pray to him as we ought to do and he also accept our prayers acknowledging in them the marks of his holy spirit for we must always remember how it is said in the epistle to the romans that we know not what to pray for as in respect of ourselves it is a thing that surmounteth all our understanding, and the ablest of all of us faileth in that behalf, notwithstanding that there are a number which bear themselves on hand that they know perfectly how and what to pray unto God. Howbeit all such opinion doth but shut us out of the gate, unless that upon the knowing of our defaults and infirmities we resort right forth to the remedy, according to this saying of St. Paul's, that the Spirit of God driveth us to unutterable groanings which cannot be expressed, without the which we could not utter so much as this word Father, according also as he saith to the Galatians, that when the Spirit crieth in us, we can open our mouths to call freely upon God, as is rehearsed in another place. Now then, it is certain that we shall never be thoroughly disposed to pray unto God, unless he govern us by his Holy Spirit. Moreover, St. Paul's intent, as I have declared already, is to exclude all counterfeiting, and that we should not hope to justify our case before God by ceremonies, or by Pope holiness, as they term it, in making of long prayers and many circumstances, but suffer the Spirit to bear sway. Wherefore, first of all, let us be so touched, as the Spirit may be our master and teacher, and indite the things to us, which we have to utter in calling upon our God. And secondly, let our prayers proceed from the bottom of our heart, and let us put this saying of the psalm in your, that we must sue unto our God in truth, for it is said that he is not near to any, but to such as have that quality." and not without cause is such exposition set down, for, as I have declared already, we be so much inclined to shifting, that to our seeming God ought to yield to us and to our nature, but it is clean contrary. 
Now then, forasmuch as God perceiveth that men abuse his name after that fashion, and make prayers after their own manner, that is to say, prayers that are wrapped in hypocrisy and untruth, and have no substantialness nor soundness in them, he saith expressly that we must not hope to be heard at his hand, nor obtain anything of him, except our prayers be ruled by a right meaning, that is to say, unless we pray with a hearty affection. Thus ye see what we have to remember upon that saying of St. Paul. And that whereas he saith steadfastly, and withholding out throughout to the end, it is to express the better that it is never out of season to call upon God. And even therefore it is added, because we would fain exempt ourselves from our God, wherein a man may well perceive how unperfect our minds are, and how destitute of wit and reason we be. For all our welfare consisteth in having access to our God, that we seek help at his hand, and to be short, in being near unto him, so as we be sure that he regardeth us, and have a care of our welfare. And besides that, who is he that would not feign to be heard? Yet notwithstanding, when we should pray unto our God, it seemeth that we be hailed to it, as it were by force, and we should be ravished in love with it, as I have showed already. Now then, this vice of recklessness and coldness, in that we never pray unto God, but when we be compelled or constrained, had need to be corrected. St. Paul therefore telleth us that we must not tarry till utter necessity enforce us, but we must understand that all times are seasonable and convenient to resort unto God. Indeed, after as we be peaked forward, so much we run the swifter, according as it is certain that we be, as it were, spurted by the afflictions and manifold troubles that God sendeth us. And like as if an ass will not go, he must have a good cudgel laid upon his back. Even so, God, perceiving that we come not to him with a good will, is fain to draw us to him, as it were by violence. But yet must every man cheer up himself, though no urgent necessity compel him. To be short, we must pray unto our God, both in time of prosperity and in time of adversity. That is the thing which is meant by these words at all times. And thereupon St. Paul saith that we must be watchful in it, even with all instance, to pray for all the saints. In saying that we must be watchful, he toucheth a vice whereto we be too much inclined, yea, and wholly given over, that is to say, that we be sleepy when we should pray unto God, and had need to be waked. Because of our heaviness and sluggishness, we be commanded to wake, and to keep, as it were, a continual watch. To the end, we should not let occasion slip, but always resort unto God with prayer. Now there is not so perfect a man which findeth not this malady by experience in himself, namely that when we should pray unto God, a number of things cross us, that set us wandering abroad, insomuch as we shall wonder that, instead of holding out earnestly, our mind shall be roving here and there. Seeing then that we be so fickle, and our wits so skittish, and is hard to hold us fast any while, it standeth us on hand to be the more watchful, to the intent to bring ourselves back again into the good way, when we be started out of it. And let us not tarry till the devil have won so much at our hands, as to pluck us quite from our prayers and supplications, and to break off the continual curse of them, and of the steadfastness that ought to be in them. But when we pray, let us be, as it were, locked up and fast tied to it, that is to say, let all our wits be full bent and settled upon the thing that we have to do. For even the heathen men, when they were about to make sacrifice to their idols, used this proof among them. While thou worshippest God, do nothing else, but be thou so wholly occupied and fastened thereunto, as thou think upon no other thing. If God wrested such a confession from them, 
What ought we to do when we offer him the chief sacrifice which he alloweth above all others, that is, when we confess ourselves beholden to him for all good things? Should we mingle our own vanities with it, and make our prayer to be but for custom and fashion's sake? Now then, this watchfulness, whereof St. Paul speaketh, is very requisite by reason of the frailness of our wits, and specially because we be so wandering as is horrible. Seeing it is so with us, when we go about to pray unto God, let us bend our whole minds unto it, and let not our wits be entangled about other cares and affections, but let our coming unto it be as though we had broken all other bonds. That is the cause why mention is made of lifting up of ourselves in our prayers and supplications. True it is that in offering ourselves unto God we must come with all lowliness, but yet must we lift up our hearts in such wise as we may be after a sort in the presence of our God. That, I say, is the thing that is imported by the said diligentness. And he saith further, with all instance, which serveth still to show us that if we intend to be well disposed to praying, we must not go to it lazily, yea, and that if we follow that which our own nature showeth us, we shall be far off from coming at God. Therefore must every man enforce him. For, seeing St. Paul speaketh so, it is as much as if he said, My friends, ye shall find such a coldness in yourselves, as ye shall never pray unto God, neither shall ye ever be willing to pray, except ye provoke and enforce yourselves. For the devil will always blare your eyes, to the end ye should not see what need ye have to pray unto God. And if ye lie sleeping still, it will cause your God to forsake you, seeing you be so thankless as to despise his benefits, and to yield him no honour for them. No, nor to acknowledge that all your welfare proceedeth of him. For like lewd lozels, we defile the benefits which God bestoweth upon us, unless we acknowledge that we have all things at his hand, yea, even by craving all things that we want of him, and also by yielding him thanks for the things that we received already. So then let us learn to match our watchfulness with all instantness. And herein we comprehend holding out or continuance, so as it is not enough for us to pray unto God by starts and braids, as they say, but we must continue in it, and that two ways. For when we have prayed, today, both evening and morning, and every hour, we must hold on still and never swerve from that trade, so long as we live. For our faith, as I said, must exercise itself, and the means to exercise it withal is this. There is yet one other manner of perseverance or holding out, which is that when we have desired God to help us in this or that, we must repeat the same request, not twice or thrice only, but as oft as we have need, a hundred, yea, a thousand times. As for example, although God have told us that he will succor us before we open our mouth to him, yet doth he not show it always openly to the eye. Therefore we must never be weary in waiting for God's help. And also it is not good that we should be heard after our own liking, because God knoweth what is meet and expedient for us. So then, he must govern us according to his own will. But, as I said, if we pray to him after his fashion and after his manner, he protesteth that we shall obtain all our requests at his hand, even before we have uttered them with our mouth. Yet notwithstanding, he will sometimes hold us, as it were, at the stave's end, insomuch as it shall seem that he is asleep when we call upon him and that he hath turned his back upon us. For this cause is perseverance requisite, so that if we be pinched with any distress, and would fain seek ease of it at God's hand, we must not do it once and away, but we must return to it oftentimes, and be, as you would say, importune, according to the similitude which our Lord Jesus telleth us of the widow, 
which had to do with a judge that was without any fear of God or shame of the world, and yet nevertheless she obtained her suit even by importunateness. So must we do, that is to say we must be importunate upon our God, not that he is slow in succouring us, as I said afore, but because he will try the constancy of our faith. For they that pray unto God and fall to stomaching, chafing, and impatiency, if he relieve them not out of hand, do not pray unto him, but, as ye would say, summon him to be at commandment of their lusts. But it behoveth us to restrain all our passions and desires to God's will, so as when we pray him to make speed, we may nevertheless be patient and be contented to tarry his leisure, in delaying to-day or to-morrow, or as long as it pleaseth him. Ye see, then, that we must continue in prayer and supplication, so as we must pray presently for the necessities that pinch us to-day, and likewise to-morrow, for those that may come then, and so we must pray ordinarily every day. And besides this, if God list not to deliver us so soon as we fain would, let us not cease to renew our petition still, even until we perceive that we have profited by our praying, and that he have showed us the effect of his promise. Now forasmuch as it is hard for us to be brought to pray well unto God, St. Paul here setteth us forth the thing out of our own persons, which ought to persuade us, that is to say, that we be bound to pray unto God, not only for ourselves, that is to say, every man for himself, but also to have a care of his neighbours, and to respect them also. It is true that if we considered our own miseries well, and the great number of sins that are in us, and the great need which we have to be succoured at God's hand, we should have cause enough without going out of ourselves to employ ourselves in prayer and supplication, yea, though we did nothing else all our life long but sigh and lament before God for our offences, and pray him to reach us his hand, to the end that Satan might not overcome us. As I said, we should have matter enough in ourselves, but now that we must extend our prayers further, that is to wit, to the whole church of God, and understand that he will not have me to think alonely upon myself, but also to be mindful of all his chosen, inasmuch as he hath knit me to them. So I must endeavour to comprehend them in my prayers as much as is possible for me. Seeing, say I, that we be resolved hereof, it must needs be that we be too blockish, if we be not touched yet more to the quick, and set on fire with this carefulness that is spoken of here, and therewithal continue in the same. Howbeit St. Paul speaketh here expressly of the saints or faithful, but yet is that no impediment that we should not pray generally for all men. For the wretched unbelievers and the ignorant sort have great need to be sued for unto God, for behold, they be in the highway to destruction. If we saw a beast at the point to perish, we would have pity of it, and what shall we do when we see a soul in peril, which is so precious before God, as he hath showed, in that he hath ransomed them by the blood of his own Son? Then, if we see a poor soul go so to destruction, ought we not to be moved with compassion and kindness, to desire God to remedy it? So then, St. Paul's meaning in this text is not that we should let the wretched unbelievers alone without care of them, but that we should pray generally for all men, howbeit he showeth us therewithal, that we must have a special care of those whom God hath knit unto us by a straighter bond. Likewise, when he speaketh of alms-deeds, his intent is that they should be done to all men without exception which have need. But yet he addeth that we must specially succour them that are of the household of faith. Even so is it with our prayers and supplications, for the spiritual brotherhood which God hath set among us ought to touch us the more, and to make the church of God to come before our eyes, and into our remembrance as oft as we pray. And these words, our Father, ought to teach us to make our prayers common, for none of us can say, My Father, alone of himself, but we call him ours, 
to show that we ought not to have such care of ourselves as to forget them that belong unto us and are linked to us with so near a knot as I have declared already. That then is the cause why St. Paul saith expressly that we must pray for the saints. Now, were this well printed in our hearts, as I said afore, we should be well waked to pray to our God without end or ceasing. For let us consider the state and plight of the churches in these days. Although our Lord give us some rest, yet are our poor brethren tormented by tyrants and by the enemies of the faith. Some are fain to flee, some have their goods taken from them, many be thrust into prison, and other some are burnt at the stake. All these poor souls are in unquietness and put to some new terror every minute of an hour. We see that there is as terrible menacing and threatening as may be. We see how the devil driveth all those forward with outrageous fury which would abolish the doctrine of the gospel. We see what scatterings are made by the stumbling blocks that Satan thrusteth in by his champions. We see how a great sort seek nothing else but to put the gospel to shame. And in the meanwhile the poor servants of God which employ themselves in his service are troubled and vexed by all means. Then if we gather together all the miseries and adversities whereto the church is subject, and consider well the distress of every of our brethren, must it not needs be that we are duller than brute beasts if we be not moved to pray unto God, yea, even with a right perseverance in the same? For though I be at mine ease today, there are many thousands in great perplexity, and I show well that I cut off myself as much as I can from the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, if I pity not the members to whom I am linked. Not without cause, therefore, doth St. Paul set all the saints here afore us, when he intendeth to inflame us the better to a right-disposed mind in praying, and to continue throughout in the same. And thereupon he requireth also that men should pray for him. Ye shall pray for me also, saith he, that God give me boldness in opening my mouth, so as I may utter the secret of the gospel accordingly. When St. Paul commendeth himself to the prayers of his neighbours, thereby he showeth well in what humility we ought to walk. For he did not counterfeit in exhorting the Ephesians to such praying. He protesteth before God and his angels that he had need of it. But now let us compare ourselves with St. Paul. What man is of such ability that he can forbear to be succoured by the prayers of his neighbours, when St. Paul exempteth not himself from it? Now then, let every man in his praying unto God desire to be made partaker of all the prayers that are made throughout the church, both generally and particularly. Indeed, this promise shall always stand true, that God will be near at hand to all such as call upon him. And Jonah failed not to be succoured of God, though he were in the whale's belly. Now therefore, when we be forsaken of men, when we be as good as dead, and the remembrance of us is as good as buried, yet will not God cease to regard us, and to cast his eye upon us to succour us, according to this saying, that the eyes of God are always upon them that fear him, and his ears open to such as repair unto him. Notwithstanding to the intent to humble us the better, our Lord telleth us that we have need one of another's help, and that there should be an intercommuning among us. And besides this, there is also another reason, which is that he will keep our charity occupied. Wherefore, let us learn to show both by our alms deeds and by our counsel and by all other helps that none of us is given to himself, nor to his, to own private profit, but that after as God hath linked us together, every of us coveteth to succour our members and to communicate together in our prayers and supplications. For our commending one of us of another after that manner unto God is the chief duty of charity, and therefore it caused St. Paul to desire the Ephesians expressly to pray for him. 
Now if any man allege that that was a sign of unbelief, for if this promise sufficeth not, that every man shall obtain his own requests, is it not a point of distrust? The answer thereto is easy, for whereas God saith that he will have pity upon all such as seek it at his hand, he meaneth not to disannul the thing that he commandeth us in so many other texts, which is, that we should be mindful one of another. Furthermore, let us mark that in following God's word, we can never be blamed of misbelief. For how comes it to pass that men fall to misbelief, but by passing their bounds, that they will needs add to that which God hath uttered? As, for example, we see that in the popedom, men have forged so many patrons and advocates, as they wot not which to betake themselves unto. And whence proceedeth that? Even of that their heads be ticklish, and again, that they distrusted the things that are contained in God's word. We have this general lesson, Call upon me in the day of thy need, and I will hear thee. God, then, will have us to resort unto him, and look only at him, assuring ourselves that he will never refuse us when we pray unto him in his Son's name. And our Lord Jesus Christ cometh afore us, and offereth himself to us, saying that he will bear word to and for us, and that as long as we hold us in that path, we need not fear that we shall not find access unto his Father, or that he will not receive us familiarly. So doth the Holy Scripture report. But what have the papists done? Oh, say they, we have needs of advocates to make intercession for us. It is true, but our Lord Jesus Christ, whom God his Father hath assigned unto us, ought to suffice us, forasmuch as he only is appointed to that office. Contrarywise, the papists make advocates in paradise at their own pleasure, and in the meanwhile spoil Jesus Christ of the priestly dignity which is given him of God his Father yea, even with a solemn oath. The papists are not contented with that, but have made such a patching to it that their case is become a horrible confusion. As for us, if we follow that which is taught us by God's word, then shall we walk in faith, and we need not fear any straying, or that we shall be blamed of unbelief, for God will always guide us aright. That then is the answer to this question, and doubt which might be cast, whether it be not a point of distrust to desire other men to pray for us, seeing that every man may be heard himself, because that what things God hath joined together, men must not presume to put them asunder. For we must always bear in mind how it is said that every man must occupy himself in praying, and moreover draw his neighbours to be matched with him, and so shall we never be turned from the faith. Now, if any man object further that our Lord Jesus Christ cannot be the only advocate and patron, if we make supplications one for another, the answer thereunto is easy. For it is said that Jesus Christ is the only mediator, and that all men, both great and small, must resort to him to obtain our suits. For unless our prayers be dedicated by his holiness, surely they shall ever be fouled and infected. When Isaiah was commanded to bear the message that God had appointed, he said, Alas, my God, I am a man of unclean lips, and dwell among a people that is unclean also. How shall I do then, when I must call upon my God, and speak familiarly to him, as it were mouth to mouth, seeing we be full of uncleanness and infection? Now then, all our prayers must be sanctified by our Lord Jesus Christ, or else we shall never find favour at God's hands. Also, it is most certain that Christ is the only advocate and intercessor, and that all the ancient patriarchs were fain to hold that rule, likewise the prophets and apostles in their times, and so must we also continue in the same. And yet for all that we be not lettered thereby to pray one for another, inasmuch as we have all but one common head, which is our Lord Jesus Christ, in whom all our prayers must be joined together, to the intent 
we may all with one accord and with one well-tuned melody protest that we have none other welfare than that it pleaseth God to have care of us, insomuch that that is our full felicity, and upon that trust we come right forth unto him. The means, then, for us to continue evermore in the right way, and to see that our Lord Jesus Christ be not defaced, is to take him for our only advocate, and not to turn aside one way nor other after our own fond fancies, as is come to pass in the popedom. And we see that the papists have not been ashamed to allege this text, to persuade us to pray to St. Peter and St. Paul, yea, to saints of the Pope's own forging, or rather to the idols whom the devil hath blown into his ear. But here we have to consider that we be commanded to pray mutually one for another, because God hath also commanded us to seek help and comfort at our neighbour's hands. And our Lord willeth it so, and promiseth that we shall find it. After the same manner also doth St. James speak of it. Acknowledge your sins, saith he, one to another, and pray one for another, that is to say, when ye be pressed with any temptation, and ye feel many infirmities and vices in you, let every man unburden himself towards his neighbours, and say, Alas, I have such a thing that grieveth me, I have offended my God after such manner and such, and if ye do so bewray the infirmities that are in ye, it well stir ye up to pray one for another. But now is there any like thing between the saints deceased and us? Will St. Peter and St. Paul come tell us their sins, to the end we might pray for them? Or have they ears long enough to hear our prayers? No, we see then that God intended to restrain men's mutual praying one of another to such as are conversant in this world, and are yet in the battle. They, therefore, that have need of our prayers, shall also pray on their side for us, and we must do the like for them on our side. But as for them that are departed out of the world, it is not in us to make them our advocates before God. For if we cannot make an advocate in a matter of law that shall not be past five shillings, but it is in the judge's power to appoint such one for advocate as he listeth, and to put him in that office. What a presumptuousness is it, if we will take upon us to make advocates in heaven? What a pride and presumptuousness is it? Is it not a plucking of God's majesty and authority from him? Now then, let us learn to pray so one for another, as we pass not our bounds, nor wander out one way nor other, every man after his own conceit, but be contented to have a care of all the members of the church, as we be bound to do, and to take comfort and joy ourselves, in that God hath vouchsafed to bind all his church unto us, and that by the same mutual communicating, we show ourselves to be members of the body of our Lord Jesus Christ. And therewithal let us all tend to our head, knowing that our prayers should not be worthy to be received, but rather be foul, filthy, and stinking, if our Lord Jesus Christ hallowed them not by his holiness and perfection. Knowing this, let us never presume to open our mouths to call upon our God, but in the name of our Mediator, assuring ourselves that it is his office to bear word for us, and to make us to be heard, so as we may find God favourable and forward to help us. That then is the means for us to pray unto God boldly and with open mouth, as is said in the texts which I alleged even now both out of the eighth to the Romans and out of St. James, and also we have seen in the third chapter of this epistle. We must call upon God through the belief which we have in Jesus Christ, assuring ourselves that he not only came down into the world to shed his blood once for the remission of our sins, but also is incessantly before God to pray for us, so as we be fully resolved that although we be but wretched earthworms, yet God accepteth us, and avoweth us for his children by his means, and will always be merciful in receiving our prayers and supplications, because we offer them not to him in our own name, nor by ourselves, 
for in good sooth that were a foolish presumption of our own imagination, but because he hath commanded it, and showed us the way which we should hold us to. Now let us fall down before the majesty of our good God, with acknowledgment of our faults, praying him to pardon them, notwithstanding that we deserve to be quite cut off from the hope of salvation. And forasmuch as it hath pleased him to call us to him, and to promise us that we shall be received to mercy, if we come to him with faith and humility, let us pray him to prepare our hearts in such wise, as we may make such requests to him, as he alloweth, and that therewithal he so bear with our infirmities, as we may not fail to obtain favour, though there be many imperfections in our prayers. And so let us all say, Almighty God, Heavenly Father, etc. End of Sermon 47